Hello, welcome to the West Side Podcast. This is where we'll post some of our audio from our sermons on Sunday, and we're so glad that you're here. West Side's vision is to reconcile people to God through the grace of Jesus step by step. We hope you enjoy, and thanks for tuning in. Hey, this is the first uh, weekend of Advent. How many people are very familiar with Advent? I know you guys celebrate it here. How many of you are, it's not so much? Yeah, so when I was growing up, I was a part of more of a formal kind of church experience, and I didn't necessarily get it. Like, I missed it. It kind of went over my head a little bit. And what I realized is that as I get older, I really, really appreciate seasons. Now, living in the Pacific Northwest, having moved from Southern California where there is just one season... Uh, well, actually, Santa Ana wins. That counts as a season, too, sometimes, if you know what I'm talking about. Uh, but, like, I appreciate seasons. But I actually appreciate more seasons in life. And I can begin to embrace it more. When you're young, you kind of have this season. That's it. Like, and you're trying to figure out what this season is all about. And you're just trying to survive it or figure it out. Or does it make any sense at all? Am I doing it right? Like, the, all those kind of things. As you get older, one of the nice things that comes along with it is like this sense of grace and just leaning into seasons of life. They aren't always exactly the way they're going to be. There's sometimes surprises. There's hard seasons. There's like these interesting seasons that like move and shape you and push you to different places. And in the church calendar, we have actual seasons. And I didn't, I, growing up, I knew that like the music changed and we had to read from a different part of the hymnal, those kind of things. But I didn't necessarily catch what was going on. And in a nutshell, I think this is really helpful. The season, the, the Christian calendar, like if you're following Jesus and, and trying to lean into his work in this world and work in you, the first season really is Advent. It's the season, these four Sundays leading up to Christmas Eve. There's usually five themes that are connected to them. The fifth is usually Christ. But today is hope. That's the, our theme for today. And those four Sundays are supposed to prepare you for a celebration. It's this really cool thing that instead of what, if we go through the calendar, it goes Advent. There's a bunch of kind of individual kind of celebrations like Epiphany and Pentecost and those kind of things. And then it comes to Lent. And now many of us know what Lent is because we always were told like we're supposed to give something up. And then promptly afterwards, we went back to it. It's not really a forming thing. That's just a <laughs> blip on the screen. Uh, but Lent is also supposed to be a time of sorrow and reflection that kind of leans into Easter. So Advent prepares us for Christmas. Lent prepares us for Easter. Here's what I appreciate. I'm more of like a crock pot than a microwave. Like it takes me a little bit longer to kind of get into something and get, you know, like that kind of, like I broke out the Christmas music about two weeks ago. Just saying, sorry, don't hate on me if you're not a Christmas person. But like as soon as the win on the radio went on, I'm like, oh, hey, it's on. It's on. We're good. Okay, we can do this. I need that. I, I need more of a time in a season of something to help me kind of really embrace it. And I kind of need to be interrupted. I don't know about you. Like, I need something to kind of call me out of my own little, like, socio-drama world and then move me to a place that's better, healthier, bigger, and really actually drives me deeper as a person. Can I get an amen? amen? Right. So that's what this is all about. Like, Advent leads us into Christmas. Advent means anticipation, which means we're all kids again, right? 
the package underneath the tree, the idea is that something good is coming, like that whole feeling, I hope you kind of zero in on that during this next few weeks. Like you should be anticipating something, not just because you're going to get a gift or something's going to show up in your stocking, but that you're actually anticipating the fact that we're going to celebrate God coming near to us. And that's what we want to talk about today. But with that, of course, there's lots of different traditions, and uh, our family does some Christmas photos along the way. I thought it'd be kind of fun for you to see, like, me and my family as a little guy, right? So this is an old picture, which means it wasn't on a digital camera. It had to be scanned into my computer, right? Like, it literally had to be that, or took a picture of it and dropped it in there. So this is kind of like uh, the groovy Dean family photo from way, way, way back. This is my mom's dress. Is that groovy or what, right? So cool, right? I am the one in like the cool sweater like vest, and I think this is the same fabric from her dress. Come on, people. Do you remember what that was like, right? We made stuff, you know, kind of thing. Uh, My dad is playing the elf right there, and that's my younger brother, and he always has a blank look on his face. I love showing pictures of him when he was younger. It's just great to like tease him and poke him. Uh, so if you zoom in really close, there, there we are. Zoom in a little more. Look at that. Oh, it's kind of fun. Uh, so we, didn't t- we take our own family photos. My guys are now older, so they're all in their 20s. Uh, matter of fact, my young, youngest son Chase is here today. My wife Dawn is here. She's one of the really cool hair that's actually natural. It's called COVID. Don't dye your hair. Awesome look. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, so this is, this is our family photo. We, we don't take very serious family photos. There you go. Yeah, that's my mom. I'm actually trying to lick her head. I don't know why. That was the thing I went to. Uh, probably not great. But that, look at that. It's pretty funny. Uh, okay. Uh, and, of course, traditions are things like nativities. How many puts a, up a nativity in your house? Here's the deal. I love, I love the fact we call this Merry Christmas in kind of our traditions. But I like the way Spanish cultures do it better. It's Feliz Navidad, literally translated, happy nativity. I love that. All of a sudden, we're zeroing in on what's actually happening during this time. And so how many of you have an old school looking nativity looks something like this? Yeah, ours is actually pretty beat up at this point. Um, I actually kind of go dual like nativity and advent calendar. Where are my advent calendar people in the house? Okay, uh, don't buy the, the ones at the dollar store with a little piece of chocolate in there. No bueno. It's not good, co- it's not good chocolate. It's not good. Uh, so I kind of went, you know, I kinda, I'm a little bit of a nerd. So, you know, our nativity, this is our nativity and the, and the advent calendar at the same time. You can see the advent calendar. Let's zoom in closer to that advent calendar here. Go a little bit closer. Okay, let's go a little bit closer again. And, yes. Two great things in this world combined, Legos and Star Wars. There is nothing better than the anticipation of opening a little box and getting to build a little Legos. But I, this last year was a really good one. I thought this is a pretty cool picture. Here we go. There's the one from this last year. Come on, people. Anticipation is good. All right. Now, again, what Advent typically does is it lights candles. And those five candles are connected to five themes. Again, the fifth one is Christ, his coming, uh, and his birth. And the other four are kind of along the way. So if you have whatever package you guys have here, I'd encourage you to do that. If I had candles right here today, I would just light the first one. It's the beginning of Advent. And again, our theme today is hope. We're going to talk about hope. 
And I want to kind of zero in on a passage of scripture that is actually a little strange and unique, but I like it. And I kind of have a personal connection to it. So in the time of Jesus, before his birth or around the same time, he has a, basically an aunt. It's his cousin. And if we connect the dots in kind of the family tree, there's a guy named John the Baptist or John the Baptizer. He's actually a cousin of Jesus. And there's all this rich story and connection. But there's a really cool connection at his birth. When Mary is pregnant with Jesus, Elizabeth is pregnant with John. And their story is one of those moments in Advent that kind of pulls us from where we're at. And I thought I would land or uh, begin today with this passage of scripture. So uh, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to just read out of Luke 1. It's a, good, uh, it's a good chunk. But just listen along as I tell the story, then I'll, I'll highlight some verses today. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down by the, to us by those who are first eyewitnesses as servants of the word. So in the very first part of Luke, Luke's saying, hey, I'm telling you some history. Like this is what happened along the way. And as we go through, you'll hear the story of, of Mary in Luke. But there's a cool story of a guy named Zechariah, who was a high priest, and his wife, Elizabeth. It says, in the time of Herod, the king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. So that's Moses' brother. It's connected to the Levites. This is a, a very rich history of being those who serve in the temple. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. Good people. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and yet they were both very old. There is definitely some parallels here with Abraham and Sarah. Once, when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as the priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. So as a priest, you would have kind of different rotations, just like you would have like your work as your first responder or something here today. And you would go in and you would offer sacrifices, very deep traditions. You had preparation rituals, all this kind of things, because they were being walking into what's called the Holy of Holies of the temple. It's a very, very sacred space, actually believing that God himself would inhabit the Holy of Holies. In other words, if you went in there and you had not prepared yourself and you had not done some kind of cleansing rituals or your repentance, all those kind of things, then you literally could, in the face of God, be struck dead. Tradition tells us at times that they would actually tie a rope to the hem or to the leg of the priest as they went into the, the Holy of Holies. And actually, they would say sometimes they would sew bells at the bottom of their, their robe. <laughs> this is a really weird thing, right? You're like, why are we, you know, jingling all the way into the Holy of Holies, right? Well, you'd walk in and they would like, okay, I hear bells, so that means he's still walking around. He hasn't died in God's presence. Because if God is holy and we are not, there's a gap. And if that gap isn't helped, that gap is not bridged in some way, like before God, we would just faint and die. And then the rope was, like if someone were to die, like who's going in after the body? We're just going to pull them out. <laughs> is that awkward or what? 
Like every time you're like, okay, I'm putting on the rope, I'm putting on the bells. Like all of a sudden, there's a sacredness and a holiness that you're aware of, right? He came in today and everyone's like, here, put on the bell and robe and let's put some ropes on you know, the le- your leg as you walked into church today. Like we would have a totally different feel, right? Well, Zechariah is going in and he's offering, um, he's offering the incense. So, and when the time of the burning of incense came, all the assembled worships were praying outside. So people are praying outside. He's going in and offering up the incense. And that's, again, another way of saying, God, would you accept us? God, we worship you. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. Right? You know why? Because he's like, if someone shows up in here, who's no, one, no one's supposed to be in here, right? He's offering incense, and someone shows up, you would just jump out of your skin, right? And if it's an angel of the Lord, it's like, again, do you notice, like, whenever an angel shows up, no one's like, oh, good, the angels are here. <laughs> that never happens in Scripture, right? People are freaked out, right? Because, again, God is so holy. Things are so sacred. It's so amazing. It's so beyond us that it's not just a comfort thing, right? It's like, a, oh, my goodness, what is going on now? And that's Zacharias' response. He's like, what in the world? The angel said to him, do not be afraid. One of the most uttered things by angels of all time. Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you're to call him John. He'll be the joy and delight to you, and many will receive rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or ferment a drink, and he'll be filled by the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He'll bring back many people of of Israel to the Lord their God. He will go on before the Lord in the spirit of the power of Elijah. He will turn hearts of parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteousness to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, how can can I be sure of this? I'm an old man. My wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And you have, I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you'll be silent and not be able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which, came, which will come true at their appointed time. Okay, note to self, don't question an angel <laughs> face to face. You might be losing your voice for a while. Meanwhile, the people were waiting outside for Zechariah, wondering why he stayed so long. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. He's like, okay, two syllables, you know, <laughs> Gabriel. Okay, I don't know. Uh, you do that with, uh, you know, yes. Yeah. The Lord has done this for me. Uh, okay, when the time of the service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant for five months, remained in seclusion. The Lord, had said, the Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. So, another kind of crazy story. I told you I grew up in a church that was kind of a little more formal, and we would always have a Christmas pageant. Anyone grew up in churches that had Christmas pageants at the time, right? Like, there's always different roles handed out and everything. And I kind of wonder what I was like as a kid, because you see, like, this gregarious person. I tell people I have one gift. It's the gift of gab. I can literally talk all the time to anyone. It's this kind of thing. And I wonder, like, what was little Troy like, like the one in the picture, right? 
Well, this is part of the evidence, and I have some ideas. Because when I was at this church, they were handing out rolls for the, the Christmas pageant. And everybody had different roles. And as kids, we were like, okay, you're going to be an angel, right? You're, right? you're going to do this, and you're going to be, yeah, kind okay, of thing, Mary and Joseph, the whole thing. My job, my role, was Zechariah. I can only imagine the awesome lady who was in charge of the pageant. It's like, the kid won't stop talking. We'll make him mute. So my only activity for this entire time, because the story goes on, and later on when they asked to, to name the child, they turned to Elizabeth, and she says his name's going to be John. Gabriel said so, right? And, and she's like, well, that John's not a historical name in your family. Like, nobody's named John in your family. Why would you use John? And they turn to Zechariah, and he's like, and he like waves over, and they give him like a little tablet, and he writes on it, John, okay? That was the only role I had in the entire thing. I didn't even get a chance to write John. I just had to go, the entire pageant, that's my role, right? I'm thinking, that's exactly what the, little, the lady who was in charge of the pageant was like, how do I get this kid to shut up? Make him Zachariah. So this is what's going on. But here's the thing that I think is important for us to today. Hope requires Quiet. See, there's something about hope that requires that we stop and redirect our thoughts and our attention to what is hopeful, worthy of hope. I mean, we have a lot of wants. Everybody say, ouch. Right? Like, we have a lot of wants. There's a, I want this and I want this. What do you want for Christmas? That's what we ask as parents or kids, right? You know? And there's a sense that there's a difference between wants and hopes. Can I get an amen? amen? Hope is so much deeper, isn't it? Like hope has this yearning for something that's better in the future. I have a friend. His name's Misha. He goes by Pastor Misha. He was a pastor in a, in a church in a city called Melitopol in the southern part of Ukraine. I hope this war ends very, very quickly. And I hope that he gets to go back to his house that has been taken away and the church that was taken away by the oppressive forces that were there. Do I want that? Yeah, but I hope for that. It hurts me to think about my friend Misha and where his family is no longer living in their city. I've been there like four times. It's a beautiful city, close to the Sea of Azov. They are wonderful people who've done tons of good. He didn't leave the city for the longest time. He just kept getting food and water to people the entire time. Almost sacrificed his life. Hope requires quiet for us to refocus on the things that are worthy of hope. And I think that's what, <laughs> Gabriel's like, all right, so you're obviously not getting this. You're gonna have a kid. You're older, and this child is gonna be a blessing to the world. Call his people back to following God in a better way. John the Baptist, if we remember the story, is the one who's there at the baptism of Jesus. He calls people back to the ways of God. And this was going to be his son. And Zechariah needed some time to recenter himself on hope. How about you? Do you need some time right now during this season? 
The gift of the season of Advent is a gift of some opportunity to actually remain quiet, to not busy it up, to not throw a ton, tons of stuff and be so overwhelmed and so uh, scheduled that you don't get a chance to be quiet before God. I don't know about you, but uh, I actually do have a little bit of a, a love for folks that go full bore on their houses. Anyone like pictures like this, right? Like what isn't covered by a light kind of thing. Uh, there's a TV show that like actually pits people against each other on this, which I think is pretty funny. Uh, there's a couple other pictures. Those folks that just go really kind of crazy. Like I would never wrap my tree. That would take way too long. Uh, the L's falling over. I don't know why. But uh, and then look at that. This is like a like a light board on the wall there on that one. And then like this. Again, I appreciate that. But here's the deal. Like I am like let's go more simple. The calendar, the candles at Advent, focus us on particular ways. And here's the thing. We are called at this time for the, the, the theme of hope is often one that reminds us of what it meant to live in darkness and yearn for what God is going to do to make things right. We are fortunate that we live post-resurrection. Hope is available to you every single day in Christ. Can I get an amen? amen. But it's important during this time that we actually go back and remember what it's like to be hopeless because if we actually look around, there's a lot of darkness. There's a lot of challenges. There's a lot of reasons why our hearts could be broken right now. In Isaiah 9, it says this, The people were walking in darkness, have now seen a great light. On those who are living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And then it goes on, and you'll see this on a lot of Christmas cards, but listen to the words. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there'll be no end. For he'll reign on David's throne over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. From that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. You know what hope also does? Hope brings light. See, Christ acknowledges the fact that he was the light of the world. And then he actually turns it on us and says, you are the light of the world. How can Christ be both the light of the world and us be the light of the world at the same time? We are called simply to reflect that true light of who Christ is in the world. Like the moon reflects the light of the sun, we reflect the light of a different sun, S-O-N, right? That's what our call is. Hope brings light. If you want to be a person who is hope-filled because of this season of Advent, how can you bring light into the world? Now, I think I, I asked G about this, and you guys in the past have done some things around what's called Advent conspiracy. Does that ring a bell to anyone? A little bit? Maybe not? Oh, if it doesn't, this is good. So Advent Conspiracy was uh, an idea uh, put together by a number of pastors. As a matter of fact, one of these pastors actually lives up in Portland, which is cool. And they came up with this idea. It's like, how do we help people recapture the season? What does it look like to inject hope again into our lives? And they gave four practices that should kind of guide and direct our time. And I think it's helpful because I think they're so practical. In Advent Conspiracy, we have four practices. It's worship fully, spend less, give more, love all. I love how simple that is. And what it simply does is it just calls us to worship fully. 
So during this season, what does it look like for you to put Christ at the center of all that you do? Be reminded that God sent his son into the world to actually make up that gap between us and God. That we no longer need a priest that goes into the Holy of Holies, but that God himself sent his son Jesus Christ, who is the sacrifice for us. Forgiveness of sins, redemption of life, resurrection power over sin and death, offered to us through Jesus Christ. And in him, we now can respond by lives of lived full of gratitude. And that's really what worship is, right? It's a life filled with gratitude toward God. The second one is spend less. And part of this is because of the challenge of what our society has around us, right? Like it is all about spend, right? It's interesting. It's kind of funny to watch what our society does where we are always, oh, that wasn't very good. Okay, we need a balance to that. So we have Black Friday, right? And then what do we have for Saturday? Most of the time it's like buy local, like small business Saturday. Because we got to think about the little people, not just the big people online who deliver things all times of the night, right? The next thing is, okay, then Sunday doesn't really have a theme because it's Advent, people, okay? <laughs> and then Monday is Cyber. Okay, buy, we're back to the buying again, okay? Right? So we bought locally. Now we're going to buy online. Everybody gets a little piece, right? And then what's Tuesday? Tuesday's actually acknowledged as Giving Tuesday, you're supposed to figure out what organizations and what ministries or causes do you want to give to. It's kind of backwards if you ask me, because it's about a leftover thing, right? Like if you got anything left over from Friday and Saturday and Monday, now you can give, right? I'm like, how do we do giving Thursday? Come on, people, right? Amen. And then we go back to those other things. But how do you spend less? Inflation, things like this? I think it's being clever. It's being smart. It's making things offering something about your life to others. It's about finding how we can connect with each other without having to buy a purchase, a gift, or something like that. One of the things that I try to do is I get a chance to work with organizations over in Cambodia that fight human trafficking. And so what I do is I wear, like, I have my fair trade flannel on today, buy things from those organizations, give those as gifts, because there's a reason why the gift has a cause to it and a connection to its doing good in the world. What does it mean for us to be a little bit more intentional about spending less? And then the other one is give more. How do we give more? Not just because of gifts, but how we give of ourselves, our time, our space, being present with one another. And then lastly is love all. This idea that we're so willing and ready to invite everyone to participate in this. We talk about the spirit of the season, and I'm like, ah, I get it. But I think the Holy Spirit calls us to live lives of love to all that we encounter. And if we busy up our life, we feel too stressed and anxious about the season, you will miss the opportunities that God puts in front of you each and every day to love everyone. So what does it look like? How about for you? If you were to genuinely try to do all these things in this season of Advent, right? To worship God fully, to spend less, give more, and love everyone... What would it take? Probably take some time, right? The quiet, hope, requires quiet. It means filling your life with some light, not just the lights that are on trees or on, on houses or whatever else, but light of Christ in your life, finding out, like, how does he illuminate what you need in your life? Lastly this morning, um, I want to talk about the fact that you're not alone. <laughs> 
Because sometimes in doing all these things, sometimes we can find ourselves kind of really during the season. And it's a season of a lot of depression. A lot of people are sad because of families that are broken, things have gone on in their lives, and you're not alone. And here's the coolest message about, I think, Advent and of, of Christmas. Uh, a friend of our university is his name Scott Erickson. Uh, he's Scott the Painter on Instagram. He's awesome. I love Scott. The stuff that he does with just simple colors like black paint and like gold paint and stuff, it's just profound. And this is an art piece that he created a number of years ago. And it's the picture of what the incarnation is all about. God coming to us as a child. On the left-hand side, you can see the symbol of the Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In the actual flame itself is a child, a fetus. God comes to us as a child. A God who could come into this world and just tell everybody what's up, right? Like, could be like Gabriel, like almost causing people to faint and scare the snot out of them. But God comes as a child in a manger, a place of low station. And he is the light of the world. It inspires me. It calls me to something deeper. So last point of hope today. Hope empowers faith. Because see, all these things that we want to do and all this idea of recapturing the values that we have in this world requires faith. You can't do it by yourself. You're going to have to believe that there's a power available to you that's greater than who you are. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. Romans 15, 13, here's the verse I want to end with today. It says this, and I want to use it kind of as a benediction to you today. So remember, hope requires quiet, right? Hope brings light. Then hope empowers faith. And just receive these words as a blessing. Out of Romans 15, Paul is writing, and he says this, May the God of, everybody say it, hope, fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with what? Hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. May we receive hope today in the person of Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit and may that completely change your season of Advent. Would you pray with me? Father God, you are so good to us. An amazing story of your servants, your people who have stumbled and fumbled along the way. God, we know we're like them. Sometimes we need an assignment to be quiet. <laughs> Take away our voice. Slow us down in some way. Because God, we need to refocus on you and your goodness and you coming into this world. The light of the world dispels the darkness around us. Father, I pray for my friends here today that you would just empower us with your Holy Spirit. The strength and the grace that we can live in this world is not of our own. God, it's from you. The power of the resurrection available to each one of us today. God, we're thankful for that. And God, may that be what empowers us this season of Advent. And may we continue each day to refocus on you, invite you into our life again, ask for you to fill us and empower us that we might be lights to this world dispel the darkness, and be hope-filled people in the name of Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen.